0: so good to just have this privilege um, to minister to you today. And just to let you know, so if, in case you're not aware, our pastors uh, who are lead elders, Pastor Tricia and Pastor Wayne are on leave for two weeks. So please just pray for them that uh, this two weeks will feel like a stretched two weeks. That it will feel like a month or six months, whatever you can choose But that uh, they'll really have an awesome time They work really, really hard So we just want them to have a great time and enjoy their time They are in Durban, so if you see them, you can just give them a brief hello But please don't ask for counseling or anything of that nature (laughs) Okay Anyway, right Uh, Last week, um, our pastor Tricia shared a really, really great sermon and she was starting off our series called Transformation. So what she preached on last week was on? Yay, yay. I wish I had sweets, yeah? <laughs> yes. She preached on thriving. And, um, today we are carrying on, uh, with, with our series. And, uh, before I start, I just want to pray. Okay. Father God, we thank you and we give you the praise we thank you that you are our God. Thank you that you are the one who we lean on for transformation. Baba, we give you the praise and we thank you for your word today that uh, you will touch our lives and you will give us truth that will cause us to be more like Jesus. So we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So anyway, you know, when I first saw this transformation, my mind works very, it's, it's a very, it's, it's like, I, I imagine all sorts of things. So the first thing that I saw when I saw transformation, I started thinking about transformers. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, I like movies. There are certain movies that I just love. So I thought about transformers and how those cars, uh, are just normal cars. If you see them every, day, you know, if you were to see them every day, like Bumblebee, my favorite, um, if you were to see Bumblebee, he looks like this cool sports car, but you don't really know what is in Bumblebee until Bumblebee transforms. And he has a strange way, Bumblebee, about him in that he speaks through phrases that are picked up from all sorts of things, you know, but he speaks and he's able to be understood. So anyway, um, in starting this series, in starting this sermon, today we are looking at a concept called self-awareness, which is really, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll explain a little bit about what that is. But um, what I want to do before we talk about what self-awareness is, is I want, I want to take us on a bit of a journey starting from Genesis chapter 1. I don't know why, almost every time I preach, I have to start in Genesis chapter 1. So bear with me, but I promise you, you will get something new today. <laughs> you know, uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 is one of those verses that you hear about so much. But what I find interesting about this verse is that the Bible tells us that we were made in God's image. Genesis 1:28 says that God made man in his own image. I think that is one of the most powerful statements in the Bible. And I'll tell you why. Because here you are, you've got God who is capable of creating billions and trillions and zillions, if there's such a number, of stars. And here is God who creates the universe. And... Um, we are told that the universe is busy expanding, that it is still growing. This is God who created galaxies, and this very God makes man in his own image. When you make something in a particular image, it means that you're making that thing to look exactly like the person. So when you're looking at a picture of somebody, you are looking at that person. They might not be there, but that is a representation of that person. So when God created man and He made Him in His image, of course, he, at that time He created Adam, and we were all locked up in Adam, and Adam, in His perfection, was carrying the fullness of God in Him, but in seed form. What I mean by this is this: as I was, um, you know, as I was preparing this, one of the things that I really says God was 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 telling me was that all of humanity, when put together from Adam to the last person that will ever be born, when we are all put together, we are able to get a glimpse of who God is. So when you take all the personalities of the people that you know and those that you will never know, when you put them all together, you will begin to understand who God is. You will have an idea, not, not that you will see really God, but you will have an idea of how God is and who God is. You see, when we are all put together without the distortion that is caused by sin, because we're living in a sinful world, which has now become distorted. And, you know, if we, we put all those personalities t- together, they're not affected by sin or affected by sin in any way. That is the picture of God. Now imagine you take, think about Michelangelo. Think about Ushaga, Think about, uh, you know, think about Steven Spielberg. Think about um, Einstein. Think about Bolt, okay? Not the dog in the movie, but the, the runner, okay? Now, think about all of those personalities. Just think about just those personalities that I've mentioned and put them together. That doesn't even begin to show us who God is. But those are magnificent individuals. Those are individuals who did things that are higher than anything we could ever imagine. And every personality is God's design. God designed each one of us to be unique, to be special. Because he designed us that we would become who he is here on earth. That's what he did. But then, of course, we all know what happened. That sin came in and then distortion began to happen. We all have great personalities, but then because we are exposed to to certain things, they cause those personalities to not be as perfect as as they were meant to be. But it's amazing that even in our imperfect imperfect, uh, nature, we are imperfect perfection, if I can call it that. Because humans, by themselves, because they have the nature of God in them, are able to do magnificent things. Let's look at Psalm 139, verse 13 to 14. Um, This is from the NIV version. Okay, the NIV version, really? (laughs) But anyway, it's from the NIV. And it says, it should come up there. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. What I find interesting here, the focus is on, he says, you made me. You made me intricately. You made me fearfully and wonderfully. And then he says, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Just by him being aware of how special and uniquely God has made him, he's able to say, God, your works are wonderful. Because he understood the uniqueness that God had put in him as one individual. Now, that's how special you are. And it's important that we understand this. So as we're starting today, I want us to get a clear picture that we're serving a God who is magnificent and who is huge. But also, he has made magnificent human beings. Because he is magnificent. He can't make anything like him, which is not magnificent. That doesn't make sense. It's like taking a picture. It's like taking a picture of me. And then out comes the picture of a dog. You, know, you take me, but out comes a dog. That doesn't make sense. So when God made us in his image, we have the seed of magnificence on the inside of us. Okay. Now, I love personalities. I think. This is one of the, you know, when people are having fun, when, when you're thinking, what can I do for fun? Some people go surfing. They will remain nameless. They go surfing. Other people, uh, you know, they, they, they'll go and watch movies. Other people will read, and others will go mountain climbing. Now, I love studying personalities. I know that's a bit boring, but you could give me a personality test any day, and I will take a personality test. Even if I know what my personality is, but I just want to do it again. And when I look at people, I almost study them and I say, hmm, okay, maybe this person is this. And I just it's, it's my fun. And you know, there are people, certain people that you look at and you say, okay, this person is this, that, 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 that. You know, sometimes when you do that, what begins to happen is you form a picture of who you are and to a certain extent, it becomes set in stone for you Have you heard people saying, Like, Okay, translation, I'm like that. In other words, take me as I am, okay? Like, I'm just like that. If you challenge a person on anything that they could perhaps change, you say, I'm like this. Or how about if maybe you challenge a person, you're like, I can see you 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 know you've you've been putting on weight for quite a while now and it's getting dangerous. You know, it's getting dangerous. And they say, No, but my genes are like this. I was born this way. I was a big baby. Okay. Am I stepping on toes? It's fine. I, I would be stepping on my own toes too, so it's okay. So um, you know, we, we get to a place where we begin to think that, okay, this is who I am and I'm gonna stay like this. Just accept me as I am, okay? Like I said, I'll be stepping on my own toes, so it's okay. Just bear with me. So, some of us, when you come late to a meeting for the 20th time and then somebody says, why are you late? You're like, look, I've tried, so just accept me. As long as I'm here, it's okay. But you know what what I find interesting is that in our personalities God has created us to be a particular way but because there's something that is lacking there there's a higher standard for us there's something better that we can become because remember a lot of us are the way that we are because we are a combination of the perfect picture that God has but we are but combined with our backgrounds our environments the things that we exposed ourselves to All of that put together make us who we are. I find it interesting that whenever we come face to face with God's love, we look at ourselves and we see our imperfections because we are in front of a perfect God. Do you remember what Isaiah said when when he was face to face with God? The first thing he said is, I am of unclean lips. I live among unclean people. Do you remember what the woman of the well said? When, he realized, when she realized who she was with. Do you remember yourself when somebody preached the gospel to you and you said, No, look, I first need, before I go to church, I need to fix this and fix this and fix this about myself. Because when we come face to face with God, we become so aware that we are not who we were meant to be. But you see, God loves that we know that we are not worthy. He loves that we understand that we are imperfect. Because remember, God chooses us and salvation is only possible if we understand that we are imperfect. Salvation is only possible if I know that I'm a sinner. Because if I'm a perfect person and I'm not a sinner, what do I need a savior for? But you see, here's the thing. It's that we get saved. And, of course, our personalities and who we are is marred by sin. But we get saved, and we start working out our salvation, as the Bible says, with fear and trembling. We start moving with God because Jesus has come in to to cleanse us. Jesus came not only for us to be saved and to have a relationship with God and be happy with the way we are, but he came so that we can be his image. So we can be like Jesus. God calls us to be Christ-like. That's why we are saved. We are saved so that we can be Christ-like and then reflect him to the world. Okay. Jesus was here representing Father. I don't know how many times he said, when you see me, you will see the Father. Let's look at one of those scriptures. In John chapter 14, I think I've put one verse there, but it says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well from now on you do not you do know him because you you do know him you have seen him and then in verse 9 he says don't you know me philip even after i have been among you such a long time anyone who has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father because he says the father is living in me and doing his work believe me when i say that i am in the father and the father is in me You see, Jesus came here and he was the picture of the Father. In the same way that we are to be a picture of Jesus. So when Jesus was here on earth, he was representing Father and he was being like him. So that we would have a picture of who we are supposed to be when he has left. God has not come for the perfect, but he has come to glorify himself through imperfect human beings who become changed daily. Okay, so I would like us to just look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28, 29. It says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So we have been predestined to be to the image of Jesus. So now we're being taken to the original design. And what I've got, I don't know if you've put it up already, but I've got a picture of siblings. Okay. Now, now those two, you can see that they are related. That they are siblings. Okay. And then there's another picture as well. But, you know. So siblings. We are here so that we can be like Jesus. So someone can say, this person reminds me of Jesus. How they are, how they act, how they behave, it reminds me of Jesus. This person's love reminds me of Jesus. Or because some people don't know Jesus, will say, who does this person represent? Who do they look like? Because a normal person is not like this. They are like something that I don't know. So we are to, there is to be that. But you know what's beautiful? What I find amazing is that right from salvation, the minute we go out and we speak to people, they can see a little bit of Jesus in us. They might not see perfection, but they can see a little bit of Jesus in us. But what is crucial is that we need to be uh, diligent and we need to sit at the Father's feet. And spend time in his word. Spend time so that we'll become more and more and more like Jesus. Because what happens is that sometimes as we carry on, we become, like I said, we become stuck. It's like, no, this is who I am. Okay? This is who I am. And you say, no, I speak straight. I speak the truth. But the Bible says speak the truth in love. It doesn't say, you know, (laughs) take an axe and beat people with it. Yes, you may speak the truth. But Jesus spoke the truth in love. He knew when he needed to take out a shambok and when he needed to put, you know, to put kid gloves on. He knew, he understood that. But sometimes we can hide behind who we are. And you can say, but no, I'm shy, I'm timid. So how do you expect me to go and speak to that person? I'll pray for people, okay? I'll pray for them, but it doesn't mean that I have to go. I love Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 because it begins to show us where most of the responsibility lies for this transformation that, that needs to happen in our lives. It says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, it's important for us when we come to Jesus to know that, that um, we are sinful, that we are sinners, that without Christ we cannot do anything. It's important so that when we carry on our walk with God, we will remember that He is the one who began the good work, and that He is the one who will continue it. And not only that, but He is the all-powerful God for whom whom all things are possible. Because I know many of us are walking around, we've been trying and fighting ourselves in certain areas and fighting and fighting, but fighting a losing battle. But God is the one who does the work in us. But of course, it does not mean that we must sit back and relax and say, okay, God, you're the one who's going to do it. So I'm just going to carry on and be myself. And then, hey, God, you do it. I'll sit and watch. He doesn't expect us to sit back. One thing I like about God is that he does not allow us to be lazy. I don't think laziness is a thing in God's vocabulary. I don't think it's a thing to be. Yes, we rest, but it doesn't mean we sit there forever. You know, one of the things that we need to understand is that in who we are and in us becoming more Christ-like in the people that we are, God does this work in us, but we need to prayerfully and diligently bring ourselves to God we need to bring ourselves to God and allow Him to work in us. And then we, I, need to take responsibility for my own life. I need to take responsibility. I can't say, okay, but God, you are supposed to have done this in my life. You're supposed to have made me to be something. If I'm not that, then, well, sorry. I have heard so many people saying, I was born like this. Ngidalwe, I was made like this. God created me like this. Sometimes we think of this process uh, as being a passive process. I believe that God wants us to be active participants. There's There's a statement that we Christians love using. Lately I've noticed. We love it and I love it too. We partner with God. Let's partner with God. And we like it because it's true. It's real. God expects us to partner with him. To take responsibility and partner with him and work with him. You know, I can choose to become aware of the things in my life that are a challenge. There's a thing called, when I was giving this message to do, um, um, Pastor Wayne said, you'll be preaching on self-awareness. I was like, oh, these psychological terms, there we go again. And um, because, you know, and I looked up and I studied self-awareness. I found it quite interesting that there is a term called self-awareness. There's a theory of self-awareness out there. And basically what it says, just the, if you look at it as a basic theory, what it says is that if you make a person be aware of themselves, then automatically they start to change who they are according to whatever standard that they, they aspire to or whatever they see in front of them. An example of this is that if you call a person's name they become, all of a sudden, they become aware of themselves. So it's like you're bringing them out of what they were focusing on and then you call their name and then they become aware of themselves and and it's like, okay, what do I need to change? What do I need to do? Or if you put a mirror in front of a person, have you ever seen someone standing in front of a mirror and not fixing themselves? Nine times out of ten, if you just take a mirror and you put it in front, they're like... And they because what has been found is that the minute you make a person aware of themselves they they then feel the need to change themselves but in accordance to a particular standard so that's that, that's a theory that is out there which is basically i'll do, it's it says uh, the theory of self-awareness is, says that when you become self-aware, we automatically compare ourselves to a known standard and we try to correct our behavior to align our behavior with that standard. But self-awareness for us as, as children, what that means is that we need to be aware of who we are, aware of our attitudes, aware of our habits, aware of our of, of our ways of thinking. Because when you are aware of those things, you are able to take them first of all to God and to pray about them. We do need moments of self-reflection. And I think this is one of the things that is lacking in our lives where we don't reflect. We're always moving and going. You just go to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Never having moments to sit down and say, God, where am I? What am I doing? But you see, when we have those moments before God and we, we, we reflect on who we are, where we are, the, thing, the way in which we do things, and we pray about it, what begins to happen is that as we go into his word and as we read the word, as we study it, we begin to change because the word challenges who we are. My favorite scripture, Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Now I'm going to read it in these two versions. We'll start with a passion translation. Okay. Here, David is inviting God's scrutiny. He says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm working on. And lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. Are we still fine? Okay. The path that brings me back to you. Okay. Now the same scripture in the message. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. You see, that this process of self-awareness is not complete for us as God's children if we don't allow God in. We need to be you know, authentic people that are so real, firstly with God, and say, God, this is who I am. I think I know who I am, but I want to invite you. Take a torch and go deep into me and search. Invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. This is one of the hardest things to do, to ask God to do. Because God knows us very, very well. God knows you better than you know yourself. Because a lot of times we hide ourselves from ourselves. But God is able to show you. Say, look. And what I found interesting is that when you pray prayers like this, you'll have some of the most interesting days where people will upset you, where things will make you angry, make you frustrated, make you lazy, make you run away. Things make you, when in fact they don't make you. They're just putting a mirror in front of you. And it's basically God saying, look, I'm searching you. Not just for me, but for you to see that this is what we're dealing with. This is what you and me, because we are partnering. So... (laughs) This is what we are dealing with. But here's the thing he goes on and he says, put me to the test. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test. If we want to change and be more like Jesus, we need to be put to the test. Like Peter, who Jesus told Jesus told him, He said, You're going to deny me three times. Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter was so sure because he knew himself well. He said, I will never, ever, ever deny you. He so said, Peter, you will deny me. And what happened? He denied Jesus. And then after denying Jesus, their eyes met. This is who we are dealing with, Peter. Peter. And it's hard. It's difficult. But you see, when we get to that place where we say, God, I choose to be examined by you, it's a safe place. It's a safe place because you are with someone who will not tell you all, you know, and leave you like that. You are not with someone who will reveal those dark spots in your life and then leave you like that. You are not someone, you are not with somebody who will just tell you how you are. And then who will tell you to go sort yourself out? But you are with someone who knows what to do with you. Who lovingly shows you those things. And he says, okay, right. This is our project. And then he will show you. Says, okay, I'm ready for this job. Let's do this. Because remember, you are his workmanship. You are God's workmanship. that's what the Bible says. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We are created in Christ Jesus because we have the blueprint. God has the blueprint in our, oops, sorry, God has the blueprint of what we are to be, which is Christ. As He investigates our lives and finds out everything about us, He shows it to us, and then he doesn't just leave us. But look, he says, then lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. And in the message it says, then guide me on the road to eternal life. The best way that we can do this is if we do it in partnership with God. Where we allow him to lead us, to guide us. And where we allow him to work on those areas. There's a particular area in my life that I had struggled with for years and years and years. And it's still a journey right now, but I'm I'm seeing God working in my life. I'm seeing Him moving, and I, I see just how He, you know, how He's. It, it's marvelous, just to see how God has been doing it. You see, there's a thing, and at first I'll I'll tell you what it is. There's a there's a thing that I noticed, or it's it's a pet peeve of my mom's, which is that. In, in parts, in pockets of, of of my family where I grew up, there's a there's a there's a there's a challenge with clutter. There's a clutter problem, where you will have cupboards, but all your stuff is out and your cupboards are empty. You'll have space, you know. You'll have things to put things in. You'll have cupboards, but your clothes will be so full. And then you'll start putting hangers on the outside. So it, when you open the the, 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 the bedroom door, there's, there's things hanging everywhere. Okay. So I saw this. My mom didn't like it. She hated it with a passion. And I grew up. And when I was living alone, it wasn't there. And then I got married and I had kids. And all of a sudden, I started seeing my favorite word, corners. I call them corners. And I would see A corner with stuff here, a corner with stuff, haibo. Every corner in this house has stuff on it. (laughs) How many books and papers can you have in one house? Why Why do you have clothes here and in the cupboard and there and there? But what is significant is this. It's that I hated that thing with a passion. And... I would, I would cry, before, you know, like I would cry, not before God, I would just cry. I just don't like this. No, no, no. I would be up at night trying to fix this house. They're laughing at me because, you know, this. <laughs> but I would, I would wake in the middle, I would be up, okay, we need to deal with this thing. And I'd do this corner, and I'd do that corner, and I'd be happy, yes, the corners are gone. But give the corners a few weeks, they have a life of their own. <laughs> As I say, God. <laughs> and then they'd be back. Be like, God, what is going on here? And of course, when I did my personality test, guess what I found? Very, very lovely people. These these type of people, very wonderful, really, really great, wonderful peacemakers, fun loving, um, not the tidiest of people. That's how they put it. They put it nicely. Not the tidiest of people. Not the most organized of people. In other words, the most disorganized people you can find. So I saw that in my personality profile. and I was like, oh, so this is why it's like this. But because the Holy Spirit is in me, I was still not happy with it where I have seen people who were comfortable with it and who would live with it and would be fine with it. They would have no problem. But now this thing was bothering me. Saying, no, I can't walk into my home and there's stuff everywhere. So after many, many, many years of crying and frustration, I took this to God. I started praying. started praying this very prayer. So said, God search me. Check me. What is it with me? And of course, as, as the lady of the house, you forget that there are other people who make a mess. You think it's just you. But anyway. <laughs> so, so I prayed for myself. God, what is going on here? I don't want to inherit the things from where I come from. Yes, my background, I love, I love the people that 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 i come from i love my family i love everyone i love soweto it's the great pla- it's the greatest place on earth hey it's, it you know it's i i love soweto that's where i grew up but there are certain things that i picked up from there that are not right just like the things that you picked up from wherever you're coming from but you see i had to take this to god and i prayed and it's been a a process of years where God began to teach me things that even YouTube won't teach you. Because I know that's where we learn things. But, you know, not even YouTube will teach you these things. And little by little, I started this journey. And I had to understand that it's a journey that I'm walking with God. That some things I won't be able to handle by myself. But I first knew to be aware that I have an issue there. And I took it to God and I prayed. And I started seeing a difference Oh, did I start seeing a difference I started seeing a difference Where I could not concentrate If there was mess in front of me I was like I can't, I can't So I couldn't just sit And relax If there was mess in front of me So because of that feeling You see, when you work with God He works with you He doesn't, it's not like he pushes you and pushes you. Just create that discomfort and that's it. So I started being uncomfortable. So I'd have to get up and sort out the corners. Get up and call my minions and let them do the work as well. You know? So, so now (laughs) things are a bit different in my home. Because that's also another thing I had to learn. God had to teach me that this is not just about you. It's about other people as well. Because at first I became the slave in the house. (laughs) Eventually God had to teach me through some people who will remain nameless. God had to teach me that other people are part of this journey. Which is the point that I want to make. That when we become self-aware and we allow God to work in us through his word, what he also begins to do is he uses people to either chisel us, but he also takes us along on the journey so we take other people with us. So we help other people too. God has put us in families for a reason. He's put us in spiritual family for a reason. So that these are the people who can actually maybe see the thing that needs changing and lovingly come to you and say, Hmm, hey, I see that generally you, 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 you love arriving fashionably late, hey? Um, is there anything I can help you with? Perhaps can I, like, can I wake you up in the morning? Or people who will come to you and say, "Um, I really love how, well, some of them are not as diplomatic as I can be sometimes. But I really love how, how committed you are. I really, really like it. But I've noticed that you're hardly at home for your kids. I love how you really pour yourself out. I had times where my child started not liking church because that's what I was doing. And I had people in my life because I'm in a spiritual family who who started chiseling that. Knox, yes, I know you love God and he's doing amazing things through your life. But what about your children? That thing in me that always wants to give Because that's also part of the personality that I have. I love giving and giving and giving and and showering on people. Making people happy. So, when we have people around us, when we have spiritual family, we begin to be chiseled as well. So I want to encourage you. Just allow those who are around you to speak truth and go before God and ask him to show you. How to do it. He may use YouTube because he does. He may use a book because he does. But I can guarantee you, God will not leave you like you are. He will change us. And lastly, I just want to look at something that I found very interesting. It's a thing called the law of entropy, which is, of course, each of us has a choice. We don't have to do anything. We can simply just stay and say, look, you know what? This is just the person that I am, and it's okay. In this world of ours with choices where you can't speak to people because if you speak to people, you're judging them. (sighs) It's my right, it's my choice. And we forget that rights have responsibilities attached to them. But anyway... In this world of choices, you can choose to not do anything. And a lot of times, we choose to not do anything. But I read something powerful in a book that I'm reading at the moment. It's a book uh, by Luke Bonnet. And this book is The Dream-Centered Life. He says this. So many people sleepwalk through their existence. A famous children's prayer goes... If I should die before I wake But many adults need to pray Lord Wake me up before I die They are following the natural path Of entropy Which says that without intentional upkeep Everything slowly Wastes away on its own Our cars, our bodies Our homes And that's the truth That if we choose not to do anything, we can. You can choose to just stay the. Ooh, you can stay the rest of of the way you are for the rest of your life. And then, of course, an old advert says, "Or oh, you can turn to Mainstay." <laughs> but there is another way. <laughs> that reveals my age. Oh yes, I am. But then, you see. If we don't get up and we don't do anything, and we don't allow God to change us and to move us for us to be more like Christ, if we just sit and be happy with with our stuckness, you're actually not stuck, you're moving backwards. That's the reality of it. If you buy a house and you don't maintain it, it gets old. That's the fact. Unfortunately, I wish you could do your hair once and then it stays like that forever. (laughs) But that doesn't happen. You have to just do something. Yes, you have to cut it. But even when you cut it, it grows. You can't cut your nails today and say, I'm done, that's it. Otherwise, we'll enter you into the Guinness Book of Records after five years with nails like that. So the point that I'm making is that If we choose not to do anything, God won't force us to do anything. But we will die. Just like you know, if you if if you you exercise, your your muscles get strong and they get fit and they and they get firm. But then if you stop exercising, after a while they become flabby. It's that same principle. So we could leave here today and say okay that was that was interesting that was a weird message but i'm not going to do anything i'm still not going to i'm not going to go before god and ask him to search me i'm not going to be self aware in a way that points towards god this great god because the beautiful part is that if if it's towards god then we know that something will change but we can choose not to do anything and we can end up being people who just don't develop. Ten years down the line, you're like, how? you still this way. How? you still talking like this? Oh, how? My language hasn't changed. How? I haven't ministered to one person in the last ten years. Because I have chosen to not change in that area. I can do that. So, before we close, I just, I just sense that there's a couple of people that God really wants to minister to today uh, because I sense that there are people who are struggling, seriously struggling. You have tried everything. You've tried everything that you can in a particular area in your life and you love God intensely and you want to be his light. But there's a particular thing that you are struggling with. You've tried everything in the book. But it's just not happening. It's just not changing. And I believe there are people like that that um, I really sense that we just need to, to pray for. And I, I believe God has a word for you individually. So I'm going to ask you to come to the front so we can minister to you as an individual. And can I ask you to please come? So we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray. And... While we're praying, I just want uh, the rest of us to just, you can turn to whoever. You don't have to turn to your neighbor. You can turn to anybody, maybe someone that you feel comfortable with. And I would like you to just talk a little bit and say, look, this is the area that I need God to help me with. Won't you please hold me accountable? Because that's that's what we do. As brothers and sisters in the Lord, we hold each other accountable. We walk with each other to help each other. So just to repeat what we're doing in this time if you feel you need prayer that there's a particular area that you've been struggling with and it's just not it's just not moving i want to ask you to come to the front so we can pray for you and we will trust God for a word for you And for the rest of us, I'd like you to just stay there, but just talk to each other and pray. Just talk about what it is, if there is an area that you feel God needs to just put his spotlight on it. Just talk about it and pray together and hold each other accountable. All right.